You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Please open your Bible with expectancy to Matthew 5. Excited to go through this text with you today. Matthew chapter 5, we'll be looking at verses 13 to 16 together. I pray you're encouraged already as we join together in this way. We're going to unpack a very well-known text, a very important text. And today is important because we transition. We've been obviously in the Beatitudes. If you've been with us, I pray you have. And really what's happening now is we're going from the character of the kingdom, which is immensely important, to now to the conduct of the kingdom. Uh, The conduct of the kingdom to be lived out by the Spirit and grace of God is impossible without true character. And so that's why it starts this way, Beatitudes. But now we transition. If we have the Beatitudes working and moving in our lives, then the conduct of the kingdom and the behavior uh, flows from that. So in some sense, as we've started this ministry year, we have these critical components of the vehicle that are in place. They have been well-ordered. They've been carefully placed together. They are in good working order. But now the vehicle's ready to get started. Now we're going to kind of turn on the engine in that sense, or at least put it in drive and ready to move forward. And notice where we go today too, right? So what we're learning here as well, I think sometimes just pointing out context is so helpful for us. The Beatitudes are not meant to be lived in isolation, Right, So like the, the Beatitudes and the, and, the, and the Christian life in that sense is not meant to be monastic. Right? We're not to be monks hiding away, trying to be pure in heart. The whole point of the Beatitudes is to live them out in a sinful world. Why? That the contrast would be seen between light and darkness. The contrast would be seen between that and those who are of Christ living within, again, shining as lights within a dark world. So the supernatural beauty of the Beatitudes really stands out in the midst of the darkness, again, that surrounds us. And so this is so important. Jesus says, I I want you to be pursuing the Beatitudes of my grace, but now go out and shine your light again into the world that you live in. That's what's happening in our text today. And remarkably, what Jesus explains to his followers today as we transition here in verses 13 to 16, he's like this. He's like, in a, this is what, just again, this is a blessing for me, or just, it's so amazing to me. Jesus says, in the midst of a decaying world, you are salt. And in the midst of a dark world, he says, you are light. And I expect you to have an impact with the life that I've entrusted you with. You are salt and you are light, church. And the expectations that come from that. So our sermon title today, because a lot of us were like, okay, if I'm in Christ, I'm salt and light. What does that mean? What does that mean? Help me understand. And that's our sermon title today. It's this, what it means to be salt and light. What it means to be salt and light. Again, I am expectant. And so I just, I just want to take a moment to pray. Hey, um, my heart to you, to you right now, to yours. I mean it when I say I'm expecting today. Um, I'm praying for an unusual season of renewal among us. Um, extraordinary season. I'm burdened to pray that hearts would be ignited for love for Jesus Christ in a way that you haven't experienced maybe ever or in a very long time. I am praying that your fervency for the things of the Lord and his word 
are going to be growing in temperature. I'm praying your vision for the world that you live in and what matters and what doesn't is going to be as clear as ever. Uh, I am praying that the volume of your voice and song will grow louder and louder because you cannot uh, keep back that which is real for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I am praying for a deeper uh, sense of reverence and repentance within us. I'm praying for an undeniable, irrefutable love for the Lord. That more and more will be seen from our lives and the words that we speak and the actions that we live and the thoughts of our mind. Uh, I am praying for that. And uh, I know others are as well. And so I'm asking the Lord to do great things in you and great things in me. Because this is what he wants. I'm asking you to join me in that prayer. Hey church, um, this isn't a game. This isn't a game. I woke up last night, I don't know what, it's 2.15, whatever, just a, a, a shot of terror and opposition and evil uh, floods through my heart uh, in the middle of that moment. And then I was like, wow, filled with terror and fear. And then the very next moment, because I've been doing this for 20 years, I'm like, wow, today's going to be a good day. There's opposition because the opposition is so afraid of those who will follow Jesus Christ with authenticity and fervency and humility. And so I just imploring you, I wasn't expecting to say much of this right now at all. But I'm just trying to be obedient, and I want you to know that I think the Lord is looking to do something special with you and uh, with us as a church. So, Father, thank you for you. We love you so much. We need you so much. And we pray, we pray for your Holy Spirit to capture our hearts and minds and that you will produce a fruit in us which has been rarely seen, maybe if ever. Why? Because that's when you're most glorified. Because it's all about you. Oh, I pray that you will bring such precision in our minds and hearts right now as we have your word in front of us. And I pray there be a growing expectancy and fervency for the things of the kingdom. To live in the light of the kingdom and the craziness of this world that we find ourselves in. We worship you. You are the one on your throne. You are building your church. Nothing can stop you. No one can thwart your plans. You are sovereign. You are awesome. You are light. You are love. And you want to use us in your desire. And your promise that you will go forward. So maybe so, we might have a small part, but we have an awesome part. And I pray that it's a part that many, many men, women, and children are joining together to say, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Enough with the world, give me Jesus. We pray this now in Jesus' name. If you agree, you can say, amen. Maybe so. Matthew 5, verse 13. Matthew 5, verse 13. Jesus transitions now from the Beatitudes. Notice he says, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, here we go, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So straightforward today, but also powerful today. As genuine followers of Jesus Christ, number one, our first point is this. We are, we are the salt of the earth. We are the salt of, of the earth. Jesus says to his followers, he says, you are the salt of the earth. Now, I want you to notice there, okay, the only people in this world that are the salt of the earth are Christ's followers. He's like, you. Not them, you. You, followers of mine, genuinely saved by faith in Jesus Christ. 
You have been set apart and purposed to be salt of the earth. That's, that's fairly significant. That is awesome. No one else in this world is salt of the earth other than those who are truly saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's something you might want to put in your resume. Like, that's a big deal. You, as a genuine follower of Christ, are salt of the earth. Uh, we know that in ancient times, the greatest use of salt was for preservation. The single greatest use of salt was for the preserving of meat. They didn't have refrigerators back then, obviously. Salt was used to be rubbed into the meat to preserve it. Listen, to delay its decay. That's a very key concept here in Matthew 5.13. Genuine followers of Jesus Christ are here on earth to delay the decay of society. To preserve righteousness as we can, equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. Genuine followers of Jesus Christ are used to delay the moral and spiritual decay of the earth. That's the power of the church ordained by Christ himself. The world on its own cannot prevent the disastrous decay. The world on its own is a disastrous decay. The world by itself, without Christ, without the church, is rotting and failing and fallen. The world by itself will be given to hatred and wars and disaster as proven in the last several days. The world left to itself will destroy itself. Jesus says you are the salt of the earth. It was fascinating to me then, then the genuine, I keep saying genuine because I'm talking about those who are actually saved, not those who say they are but live nothing like it. Genuine born-again followers who make up the true church, that's what we're talking about, not the false church, the true church are used by God as a restraint on the sinfulness of society. I don't think the world has any clue as to the grace that's within that statement, but that is one of the great purposes of the church, to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, to shine the light, but to be used as salt, to restrain the sinfulness of society. God has put in certain measures of society, like the state and government and just a moral conscience in some cases. But man, Christians are to be the salt of the earth, to delay its corruption, its decay, and its rotting. And an honest assessment of history will quickly realize the absolute blessing of the genuine church upon society. The impact of Christianity for good is unparalleled. Just by way, there's a long, long quote I can read, but here's one and just a little bit I want you to be aware of. On the screen, Peter Hammond says this. He says, the world before Christianity, I love this stuff, by the way, because it's just historical fact. We need to remind ourselves. The world before Christianity was a world without hospitals, without charity, or respect for the sanctity of life. Hospitals were the innovations of Christianity, hence the universal healing symbol of a cross to represent hospitals, of course, which is still true today. The nursing profession, founded by Christians, Florence Nightingale and Clara Barton, out of devotion for Christ. One of history's greatest humanitarian movements, International Red Cross, was founded by Christians in response to the scriptural injunction to care for the sick and suffering. Christians such as Dr. Louis Pasteur have fueled some of the greatest practical advances in medicine. Pasteur probably saved more lives than any other individual in history through his inventions and his love for Christ. The whole concept of charity was a Christian innovation. 
The love of strangers was unknown before Christ. The teachings and example of Jesus Christ have inspired the greatest acts of generosity, hospitality, self-sacrifice, and service for the poor, sick, and needy over 2,000 years. I'm just beginning to unpack the impact of the church, again, upon society in the last 2,000 years. I mean, that is salt of the earth. And this is what genuine believers do. So what Jesus is saying to us today, he's like, you're not going to fix society. Like, that's not going to happen in its perfection until Jesus Christ returns. But you are to be salt within the society. You are to prevent the decay and rotting. And each individual then joined together as his church to be used to see righteousness preserved as God allows from our lives. Again, I want you to make this personal and, again, corporately together as a church. But individually, every Christ follower here today, you are the salt of the earth. Take that personally. This is a very, very important thing to acknowledge in our lives. It, it just impacted me in a fresh way this week. You are being used to delay the decay. It may not feel like it at times. It may feel like everything's crashing in. But it's true. You are. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? Every teacher in the classroom up against the onslaught of all that's coming against you from the school boards. And yet you are salt in your classroom. You are salt with that child. You are salt with your staff team in some form, in some way. You are there by God's appointment to be salt to try to preserve again that which God loves the most. That's an awesome purpose. You're like, it's so hard. It is so hard, isn't it? And yet the purpose doesn't change. Every medical professional up against the horrible increasing ethics that you find yourself in, you are salt. You are salt with that patient. You are salt with your team at the hospital. You are salt in your surroundings as people even look at you and mock and scoff. That you're salt being used to preserve the place that God has placed you in. That is an awesome responsibility. It's so hard, Robbie. I'm sure it is. And yet there's beauty in where you have been placed. Every business person right now begins the massive pressure of culture to capitulate to all the different forms of insanity around you. You are salt. You are salt in the midst of that, that you refuse to live by lies. I will not live by lies. I will not live in a way to that which is totally against the truth of the word of God, which I know to be true. One of the great uses of Christians in our day is to simply, I will not live by what I know is not true. I will not go along with that, which is an absolute lie from Satan himself, that are killing people in the thousands and tens of thousands. I will not go I will not live by lies. Because I cannot betray my conscience in that way. That is salt. That is salt of the earth. Grab hold of the vision as we live out the Beatitudes. We are supernatural salt to our surroundings. I just, again, I want you, your life in Christ has purpose. You, 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 have, you have so much purpose. Listen, listen, put down the sin, pick up the salt. Put down the sin, man. Like, put down the stuff that's ruining your salt. And pick up the salt. Because if you look in verse 13 again, in verse 13, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. The other use of salt, of course, is flavor. Technically speaking here, salt cannot lose its taste. The chemical compound of salt is highly, highly stable, but salt can become adulterated. 
In the ancient world, when sand somehow was mixed up with salt, it would make the salt useless. This is a serious warning for Christ's followers. We must never allow the sand of the world to adulterate the salt of Jesus Christ within us. See, if the Christ follower loses his or her distinction from the world, what happens? If we lose our distinction from the world, we become useless. If there's no difference between us and the world, if there's no saltiness in our lives, then how are we any different? We're not. So we're useless, is what Jesus is saying. I thought of Demas. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Demas apparently had a good start in Colossians 4. Paul's like, greet Demas, get him to come, whatever. And then in 2 Timothy 4, seven years, as far as I can tell, seven years, whatever happened in Demas' life, then Paul says, for Demas, in love with the present world, filled this life with sand, he has deserted me. His life no longer had salt. He was adulterated in his worldliness. Loved ones, where is sand trying to adulterate the salt in your life? Where is the world creeping in to take away your impact and use of salt for the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, um, we must be distinct. If we blend in completely with everyone around us in this world, something's wrong. You know, I asked myself a question. It's a real penetrating question. Like even this week in a, a fresh way, like when I am in multiple surroundings where I'm the only believer in that setting, and let's be honest, a lot of people in our world are nice. A lot of people I meet don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. They just enjoy being with them. They're just friendly people, whatever. But I said, am I any different? Am I any different in those situations? I have to be. I have to be in some way. I have to stand out. There has to be something different. It's easy to blend in. It's easy and easier to do that. It's easy to kind of fit in and not be noticed because that's where the difficulty sometimes arises. But what a great question to say. When I'm in situations where I'm the only believer, is there any difference in my life? Do people notice? They need to notice. The whole point of being salt is that you will stand out and present a flavor. Not everyone's going to like that flavor, but some are desperately longing to have that taste for the first time ever, to taste and see that the Lord is good. It's an important question for us to ask and to look at our lives. And just think before we move on to the second point here, just think as Hope Church here, as Hope Church, we have been entrusted with some serious salt. Like all this right here, man, this is not normal. And it's all grace. It's all grace. I'm so thankful. Society around us is, is totally decaying, and we are salt put here by God with a purpose. Oh, God, may we preach your word. May we exalt Jesus Christ. May we pray fervently. May we share the gospel. May we see lives changed. May we see hearts transformed. Just think, every baptism, every prayer, every mission trip, every deacon ministry, every small group, every witness, it's all salt. It's all salt, every single gospel conversation. Until our last breath, please God, may we be salt for Christ. Our prayer meeting this week, we're going to be praying on these themes. Lord, make us a greater level of salt and help us to be a greater light in this world. 
We're praying for what's happening in our world in the Middle East and Israel. We're going to do that this Wednesday. And we're praying that God would make us more salt and light than ever before. Just, won't you join us? Won't you not do whatever you're doing Wednesday? And come here and pray with us in this desperate time that we live. That we would beg God to make us salt and light. Wednesday, 7 p.m., I just can't encourage you enough. As genuine followers of Christ, we are the salt of the earth. Secondly, as genuine followers of Christ, we are the light of the world. We're the light of the world. Look at, look, at, look at verse 14 now. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and give light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Why? That they may see your good works. Why? That they might give glory to your Father who is in heaven. John Stott points out here, he says, the function of salt is largely negative because it preserves decay. But the function of light here is positive because it illuminates the darkness. Both are critically needed. The preservation of decay and now the positive light shining in the darkness. Notice in these verses here the simplicity but also the profundity of what's within them. On the screen behind me and beside me here, just a few subpoints as we look at verses 14 to 16. First of all, notice this. Jesus says this, you are the light of the world. We, Christ's followers, are the light of the world. What a statement, don't you think? What a statement. That's Jesus in us. You need to know that. Jesus in us we ourselves are not light. It's Christ in us that is the light. But what a massive call for stewardship. You are the light of the world. Just imagine, right, in the context, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He looks at this ragtag group of, you know, ancient first century followers. And he's like, you are the light of the world. And they'd be like, you know what I mean? They'd be like, what, us? Like, I have to imagine, they're kind of looking at him just like, what did he just say? He's like, you are the light of the world. I mean, I had to have taken them aback to try to understand. Probably took years and years and years for them to fully understand what even Jesus really meant. But we've, we've been entrusted with a light. So simple, so profound. I, I want you to take that in right now. If you're saved in Jesus Christ, he's given his light in you and me. You've been entrusted with light. And you're to shine that light, obviously. Think, think of where we've come from, Ephesians 5.8. Ephesians 5.8 says, for at one time you were darkness. At one time you were darkness. Remember those days where darkness? Those are pretty dark days, huh? Pretty dark days being Darkness. Without life, without hope, without joy, without purpose, without salvation, destined for death and hell and destruction. At one time, all of us were darkness. But now in Jesus Christ, you are light in the Lord. That should put a fire under you. Now you're light in the Lord. So what do we do? Now you are light in the Lord. Sit down and watch Netflix your whole life. No. Now you are light in the Lord. Just live for self-pleasure and increase your bank account. No. Now you are light in the Lord. So spend all your time focusing on leisure and patting yourself. No, 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 no. You are at one time darkness. Now you are light in the Lord. Live like it. Walk 
Walk as children of light. Live as children of light. Use what God's entrusted you with as children of light. That's awesome. That's awesome. So simple, so profound. We've been given light. God help us to shine our light. Think for a second too, eh? The genuine Christian has Christ in them. The genuine Christian born again has the Holy Spirit in them. So therefore, the light of Christ literally lives in us. He lives in us, and his, and, his, and his light then to shine through us. Philippians 2, verse 14. Love this verse too. Philippians 2, verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Why? Because it damages the light you want to shine. That you can be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. That is so true. Look at, look at, look at. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. You are the light of the world. Genuine followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have a light that you are to shine. We're living in tremendous spiritual darkness, but we possess an extraordinarily supernatural, beautiful light that contrasts with the darkness. Every one of us who's saved in Christ is light. Secondly here, we cannot hide this light. We cannot hide this light. Jesus provides a simple illustration regarding a light. You don't light a lamp and put it in a basket. Who does that? Someone who doesn't want to shine the light. You place the light where it provides the most light for all to see, for it to be used in the room that it exists in. Simple, profound. Every one of us is commissioned to be light for Jesus Christ. Here's a question, though. Have we been hiding our light? Have we been ashamed of our light? Here's a question. What basket needs to be lifted? That our light might shine more for Jesus Christ. Notice here, notice in, in, in these verses, Jesus is anticipating the temptation to hide our light. He's anticipating throughout the centuries that his followers, because of pressure, because of shame, because of opposition, because of whatever it might be, will be tempted to hide their light. He's anticipating that, and he's like, don't hide your light. You've got to shine your light. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. Hmm. Won't let Satan... I used to grow it out. <laughs> That's true though, right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, no, no. No. No, Lord, we can't hide it. We can't hide it. Life's too short. The world's too dark. People are dying all around us. Won't let Satan blow it out. No. No, because... Because we've been given a light and trusted with the light, and therefore we want to shine the light. Hey, hey church, I just, I just, I need to remind myself of this all the time, okay? Especially in the light of events like this past week in Israel, and just the way our world works now, where images are sent across the entire globe instantly in a second. There are many, many people who hate God. There are many, many people who hate Jesus Christ. There are many, many people who are being tools of Satan, whatever it is, to move an Antichrist. Listen, listen. There are also many, many people who are desperately searching for hope and truth. There are many, many people in your life right now and mine that are not antagonistic. They're like, this life isn't making sense to me right now. And they are terrified at what they're seeing. 
They are desperately longing for someone to give them hope. They don't know it yet, but their answer is Jesus Christ. I want you to always remember that, okay? With every person who opposes you or rejects you, whatever, there will be people that God will sovereignly, supernaturally place in your life that are desperately one. They're asking questions right now, and no one has the answers, but we do. And so we need the courage and faith as salt and light to take chances to speak for Christ and to pray for people and pray for opportunities for the gospel and to step forward through the door when he gives them to us, to take a chance that this might be a conversation that changes. So many of you are so good at this. Pray God gives us courage for all of us with Holy Spirit boldness to see people around us in our lives that are desperately wanting to see light because they are so devastated with the darkness of this world. See, as evil as the evil is, like one of Satan's greatest mistakes is he's, he's showing himself for the reality of what's really out there. And there's a lot of people out there that are seeing it and they're like, that is not what I want. And this is why Jesus Christ has commissioned us as his church to be salt and light into the midst of a world that is so messed up and so confused. We cannot hide this light, and thoroughly we must shine our light through our good works. That's verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. What does the genuine follower of Christ do? He's used as God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Ephesians 2.10. If you're saved in Jesus Christ, you have been chosen before the foundation of the world, and you have been chosen and created for good works. Your good works don't save you. Your salvation produces good works. You have been created. Say it again. You have been created to shine your light through good works. Good works in Jesus Christ that he gets glory. We should be excellent employees. We should be outstanding employers. We should be generous neighbors. We should be filled with grace and compassion to the needy. <coughs> Excuse me. We should be refusing to be lazy. We must... Love people with honesty and integrity. We want to care for the poor and help the weak. We should be sacrificial in our giving. We should be selfless with our time. We should be praying so much how we can be used in such a dark world to be light and love and care. Our good works. Oh, that we would shine our light with the time that we have. Notice, shine before others. They may see your good deeds. Remember this too, eh? Like, remember if you're, in, sometimes a bit overwhelming. Oh, man, like all the things I need, I can't. God will never, this is very important. God will never command from us what he's not willing to do in us. Okay? See, the Beatitudes is not produced by human effort. The Beatitudes and salt and light is produced ultimately through an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit and his grace. That he then gives us courage and strength. And the more we love Jesus Christ, you cannot stop the light from shining. That's how it works. He will never command from us what he's not willing to do in us. He doesn't leave us on our own. He doesn't leave us as orphans. He doesn't forsake us. He loves us. He's with us. Jesus says in the Great Commission, Behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the promise right there. Jesus Christ is the one who's with us at all times in every way power of being used for Jesus Christ to shine his light. Romans 13. 
Besides this, you know the time, the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep. Some of us need to wake up, man. We got to wake up. Salvation is nearer to us now than we first believed. That's very, very true. The night is gone. The day is at hand. Look at, look at. So let us cast off the works of darkness. Put on the armor of light. Let's go, church. Let's go. Let's cast off the works of darkness <coughs> and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies, drunkenness, sexual morality, sensuality, quarreling, and jealousy. See, all these things destroy the light. Sin stinks. Put down the sin, pick up the salt. Put down the sin, pick up the light. In Jesus' name, by his strength and grace and power, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the stupid flesh. To gratify the desires of the flesh that wants to ruin you, kill you, destroy you, and limit your salt, limit your light. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and your light will shine. You know what really blessed me, just kind of as we conclude here, what blessed me in this week in our text, Jesus, he, he looks at, his, at his, his group of followers here, and he says, you are the salt notice of the earth. He says, you are the light of the world. The world. First of all, we are to be distinct. We talked about that already, right? You are not the earth. You are not the world. You are different. You are salt. You are light. Uh, this is a hoodie our, our, our youth ministry has put together in recent years. And maybe you've seen this. That is correct. You don't blend in all the time. <laughs> Because we can't. We're different because of the cross. So thankful for our youth ministry. Wonderful, wonderful pastors and leaders. Encouraging our youth day in, day out. Praying for them so much, so faithful that our youth would understand they are set apart by Jesus Christ to be different. We're not supposed to fit in. Because you are not the earth and you are not the world. But notice also when he says that, he says the implications of the impact of his followers. Right? So he's speaking to a handful of mostly Jewish peasants in this sermon. Mostly. <coughs> Excuse me. And he says, again, he's like, you are the salt, not of Judea, Samaria, of the, of the earth. You are the light of, of, of the whole world. Again, it's and you know what? It's, it's true. They have been. We're proof of that. Look at the ambition of Jesus Christ. He came to change the world. And he wants to use us to do the same. He wants us to be used as his church is being built to be salt and light. That would represent 11. That would go throughout the entire world. Amazing. So we don't know how things will unfold in our day and times. We cannot predict the future. But we do know this. We know we are salt of the earth and we're light of the world. And we know that Jesus Christ is building his church. Listen, your life is supernatural purpose. Your life, if you're saved in Jesus Christ, you have supernatural purpose. You are salt and you are light. Listen, 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 listen. Don't waste your life, man. Don't waste your life. Christ has given you supernatural purpose. Salt of the earth, light of the world. God help us to live for Jesus. Amen, hope. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, help us to live for you more. Man, such a 
such an important word on so many levels, Lord, and just I love what you're doing here, and I pray for more. I, I pray for more. I pray for more salt and more light to come from our lives, more faith, more boldness, more courage in you, in you, more love for Jesus Christ, more lives to be changed as a result. Holy Spirit, we need you desperately. Jesus Christ, we worship you fervently. Father God, we trust you. I pray implicitly. So take this season in our church, take our lives, and do wonderful, wonderful things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.